Hello and welcome to the Rogers Brief. I'm Adam Rogers. Thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Today was day 24 of the Mass Casualty Commission proceedings and we had our first look at a staff sergeant, one of the commanders involved in the response to the mass casualty events. We've been hearing so far over the previous 23 days, uh, mostly and most days from uh, from or about uh, constables and corporals that were involved in the response, but today it was uh, Steve Halliday, Staff Sergeant Steve Halliday, who was on the stand. And uh, there was also a foundational document presentation that dealt with command decisions. So it was interesting, uh, the procedural question. First of all, without uh, admitting so, or without saying so, certainly, the Mass Casualty Commission seems to be taking some of the advice or criticism that they've been receiving uh, from me and others about their procedures. The foundational document presentation today was very short. It was just about 20 minutes long. It was 15 minutes yesterday. And it was dealing with a document that was 321 pages long on command decisions. So, as I had recommended previously, instead of making these foundational documents and, and suggesting that they would be sufficient instead of hearing testimony and instead of witnesses. Now they're properly, I think, or more properly, I should say, using them as sort of background or foundations for the questions of witnesses. So, you know, instead of going through, a, you know, a hundred different documents or possibly more to reference things, or, or it's all compiled in one spot. So when somebody's asking questions of the witness, they can refer to the foundational document, occasionally to the source uh, documents from which those foundational documents are created. So uh, anyway, that uh, seems to be a positive thing. We spent much more of the time today hearing from Steve Halliday, uh, who was there in a supervisory capacity as a staff sergeant. He wasn't the incident commander. Now, that was uh, Staff Sergeant Jeff West, who we'll hear from tomorrow. The critical incident commander was his uh, his title or his his role that night. Staff Sergeant Halliday was more of there in a supportive role to make sure that if resources, certain resources were needed, that somebody was tasked with arranging for those resources to uh, to happen. So, you know, so he directed people. Well, he tried to arrange for a helicopter. He tried to you know make sure vehicles were accounted for, uh, police vehicles that is. Uh, you know, uh, delegated the task of containing the Porta Pic area. Uh, of course, many, many mistakes were made, but uh, listening to Staff Sergeant Halliday today uh, certainly gave the impression that he was, you know, moving the, the pieces around as a supervisor uh, should do, uh, although not without, not without some mistakes, uh, some of which he seemed prepared to uh, admit or accept and others, others not so. So, just a, a note on the leadership. So staff sergeant is a fairly high rank, but uh, it's not the highest ranking uh, officer in the Northeast Nova region, which covers uh, Colchester, Cumberland County, Truro, well, not Truro town, but outside of Truro and all the way up through Pictou, Gajbury and Ganesh, uh, up into Cape Breton. And then there's another region that's Halifax. And then there's another, the Southwest region. So, Staff Sergeant Halliday was sort of the number two officer. The uh, superintendent, who's above Staff Sergeant Halliday, Superintendent Thompson, never throughout the incident attended the command post that was set up. Uh, and then 
in addition to that, there's Nova Scotia-wide uh, supervisors or inspectors, commanders, uh, Mosier, Campbell, uh, Leather, and Bergerman, who also had no involvement. So no, no direct uh, operational involvement. It kind of harkens back to something that uh, Corporal Tim Mills was saying yesterday, which is when you get beyond a certain level in the RCMP, it seems like you're more of a politician than a, a crime fighter. Uh, not sure, paraphrasing what he said yesterday, but that's uh, essentially it. Now, Staff Sergeant Halliday is uh, not somebody who's unfamiliar to me. Uh, he was the uh, sergeant here in Guysboro, where I am broadcasting from today, uh, between 2005 and 2009, as he described today. I didn't know uh, Steve. I didn't know him that well uh, when he was here, although I met him and dealt with him several times in cases and, and in the community. He was, uh, I know, very well liked here, played hockey with uh, the guys, and um, was well regarded in the community as a leader. And I know uh, everybody kind of knew that he was on his way up uh, when he left here, went from here to Picto and then uh, into his current role after that. He was the first witness. Uh, he mentioned that he was from, he started out in the Newfoundland Constabulary, Constabulatory. He was the first witness I ever saw stand up to give evidence. You'll, uh, may not know this, but in Newfoundland, and I don't know if they still do this or not, but their practice had been to stand up as police officers when they gave evidence. And uh, it seemed very strange, certainly as a lawyer asking questions to somebody who's also standing up, uh, as the lawyer would be. But anyway, that was interesting. The other uh, just personal, not too personal note, uh, he was involved. I, I had a client that was involved in a standoff. This was back in 2012. So after Staff Sergeant Halliday had moved on, but he he was back involved in that case as the uh, uh, crisis negotiator, and they were taught there was some discussion today about crisis negotiation, and in the case that I'm referencing, there was uh, like eleven hours of discussions between the officers and my client. He was a military veteran and liked to talk and all this sort of stuff. The uh, strategy, as far as I can see, for a crisis negotiation in those kind of circumstances is to talk as long as you can keep the person on the phone try to be nice to them uh you know find some commonalities just keep talking and then every once in a while say hey wouldn't you like to come out uh you know there's there doesn't seem to be anything very technical or or insightful about the strategy i'd be, I'd be curious to know if that was um uh, according to plan or if that's just the way he was at that time so uh, so just getting to his testimony today staff sergeant halliday uh he's retired from the rcmp but unlike uh, corporal mills who was also retired from the rcmp i didn't get the impression that staff sergeant halliday was there to bury the rcmp or to be overly critical of them in any real way Although I would also say that it didn't seem like he was trying to protect anyone. Uh, if, uh, you know, something wasn't done properly, he would say, well, I told so-and-so to do that. And then, you know, you know, I approved the tweet language at this time and it didn't go out until nearly a half an hour later. Is that disappointing? Yes. He answered truthfully. Yes, it was. So, you know, he was... I say not there to protect anybody, except perhaps himself. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll see if, if the other officers contradict anything that he has said in as far as who he directed to do what. Um, you know, but it seemed like he would say, well, if you know, I delegated this task on containment to this staff sergeant and, you know, or, or 
delegated communications to this person and, and you know, seem to be getting information and, you know, delegating as, uh, as appropriate or as he felt appropriate. Uh, now, uh, one of the things that he mentioned right away, uh, and he didn't seem afraid to mention things that didn't go well, like the helicopter, for example. He asked for the helicopter to be there. He thought it was a good idea for the infrared capabilities, be able to find somebody in the woods, all those things. Uh, that that was a resource that should have been available and uh, has is a problem, and it wasn't. And they they tried, but then the ERT uh, the Earth Squad was on its way, so you know they they stopped trying at some point and waited for them to use their resources. So you know he explained that that was a disappointment, and of course that reflects back on the on the RCMP as a as a whole, if not himself as an individual. Uh, he also expressed how his initial suspicion was that maybe it was uh, another sergeant, Dave Lilly, who may have been having a mental health crisis or something like this. That was dispelled immediately, but you know he didn't he didn't uh, try to you know sugarcoat that or say anything different other than yes, that's what I thought, and so I took action on it. I think that was probably the responsible thing to to express at the time and do if he he felt that was an issue. Ended up getting some some valuable information from uh, Sergeant Lilly, actually, as it turned out, um, that he was able to use later on. So, he did have some ideas for improving the situation, and uh, one was use of better technology. We find out, through Staff Sergeant Halliday, we knew some of this already, that there was very poor mapping of the area and not great information as to, uh, you know, the location of that, you know, access and, uh, and potential exits particularly, of course, this road through the blueberry field. There was one of the lessons that Staff Sergeant Halliday indicated was that pictometry, uh, so better maps with, um, you know, some, uh, you know, the, the layout of, of trails and uh, much better um, topographical information, that that would have been very helpful. They tried to access it at some point throughout the night and, and were unable to do so. It was really not until 4 a.m. when they used... Um, Google Maps, I believe he said that they realized that there may have been this road back to the blueberry field. So it was another issue because some of the information of the blueberry field road, this was known by some of the lower level officers, but obviously didn't make it up to his level or apparently didn't make it up to his level, I should say. Then uh, they were using some very rudimentary and in one case, a hand-drawn map of the area to try to set up containment uh, of the space. They really felt that Warman was still in the zone, in the, in the port of pick community. Uh, they, thought they had what uh, Staff Sergeant Halliday called threat cues. So, suspected gunfire. These were explosions that were taking place through the fires. So the explosions themselves. Uh, some flashing lights through uh, from vehicles and, and uh, you know, on other unexplained sightings, that, unexplained at the time. And then uh, seemingly newly lit fires, which were possibly newly lit, but also maybe more likely fires that had started but hadn't been hadn't been noticed by anybody in the RCMP at that time until later. So, for example, Staff uh, Sergeant Halliday did not know that, um, that uh, Andrew McDonald had uh, said that there was uh, a second exit when he was, you know, first encountered the officers at the head of Port Pick Beach Road. None of those things. They felt that it was a static situation that they could contain and find uh, Wartman eventually within the woods area of Portapit. Of course, it didn't happen. And it wasn't until 
from the supervisory level until Lisa Banfield emerged that they say they learned uh, more details with the vehicles and so they directed the Earth Squad to check the cars again inside to see if you know they had accounted for all of the Ford Tauruses uh, Ford Tauri that uh, Wartman had purchased thought he had three and turns out he had four so um, at least four so that was uh, so that you know, he was trying to explain why they didn't, they weren't looking in any other places or uh, making better efforts to uh, to contain the scene. When the morning comes and they realize that there's an incident, you know, in another direction, away from Porter Pick, that the killer has escaped, then there's some consideration to communicating that to the public. And Staff Sergeant Halliday in his statement had mentioned that he had some concerns over panicking the public or that they would have a panicked reaction. Of course, we heard last week from many of the emergency management experts that uh, such a panic doesn't typically occur. It seems that the RCMP was uh, not really prepared to communicate with the public. First of all, uh, Staff Sergeant Halliday was at that level and you would think, you know, communicates with the public quite often, was not trained in emergency response, public communications, uh, how to use, uh, you know, what should be done on certain platforms, which platforms to use, all of those things. He had really no idea. He was completely unfamiliar with the alert ready system. So all of those things uh, were sort of in the mix and he he was asked whether his concern over letting the public know and creating chaos or panic uh, was given priority over letting the public know and you know having their public having their safety at mind, in mind. He said that the, he thought they correctly balanced the concerns, and he still thinks that. Well, he, well, he thought that at the time and didn't express any contrition over that. Didn't express any regret over uh, the you know balancing act that. Uh, that decision entailed at the time so that was interesting too because like i said earlier you know unlike um, tim mills yesterday or like tim mills he is retired seemingly maybe not completely free but certainly free to say his opinion and um, didn't uh, express any contrition in that regard over the lack of earlier public communication or use of the emergency alert system so I'll just mention a little bit of uh, about the cross-examination. That was uh, that was some of the highlights, I think, from Staff Sergeant Halliday's direct examination. Uh, cross-examination occurred. Again, there were three lawyers questioning today. Sandra McCullough from Patterson Law, uh, Josh Bryson from uh, Chester Law, and Tara Miller from MDW Law in Halifax. I'll uh, ask questions. Again, no questions from the federal government lawyers. The Department of Justice lawyers are there. Uh, you would think they may have some questions for a police officer who's testifying at the public inquiry, but they did not. Uh, I, I thought it was a positive that three lawyers had a chance to ask questions, although it wasn't all of the questions. Uh, they weren't asking all their own questions. Tara Miller indicated when she started, and she was the last of the three to go, that she was asking some for herself or for her own clients, but some for the other participants. So it's not completely unfettered uh, cross-examination yet. Uh, it's uh, still under control of the commission to an unreasonable extent, uh, but it's, it's inching along the way to a better place. That's as, I guess, as far as I'll go with that. Uh, 
yeah, so with his cross-examination with uh, Tara Miller, who, who always does a great job, uh, Staff Sergeant Halliday did confirm his concern that it would be dangerous to issue public uh, alerts. Although, in fairness to uh, Staff Sergeant Halliday, he wasn't directly responsible for issuing the content of messages. He had, he had tasked somebody else, uh, another Staff Sergeant, with that. But when that Staff Sergeant wasn't available, I can't remember if it was uh, McCollum or... Um, or one of the others, but uh, when they weren't available, the message was sent to him, and he approved it right away, uh, and yet it took almost another half an hour for that message to go out, so he was, he did approve the tweet content when it got to him, and um, then it still took a long time, and two, uh, two people died, Heather O'Brien and uh, Kristen Beaton died during that intervening time between when the tweet was approved and when it was issued uh, anybody that's on twitter knows once you know what you're going to say it takes very little time to post it so i'm not sure what that delay may have been uh why that delay may have occurred this doesn't seem to be a good reason for it anyway uh, those are my thoughts on day 24 our first introduction to command decisions it's a long uh is a very long foundational document. I'm going to go through that and see some of the media reports and see if anything has of significance has been left out. Tomorrow we will hear from Staff Sergeant Jeff West, who was the critical uh, commander at the time, operations commander. And we're going to hear from uh, another Staff Sergeant, uh, Kevin Surrett, as well. So uh, Mr. Surrett, I think, came up from Yarmouth to uh, take over command from Staff Sergeant West in the morning and um, up until up until the mass casualty well up until the the killer was killed himself so um all right that's it for day 24 thanks for watching thank you for listening and we will see you next time